Well, good morning. I'm excited about July. Thank you. I, summer doesn't totally feel like it started, but, but um, I think we'll, we'll experience plenty of, plenty of it in July. But uh, a little later this month, we are going to partner with Convoy of Hope. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that organization before, but um, they are an organization that is around the world. Um, it's a disaster relief organization. And um, a few years ago, I traveled to Haiti to see the aftermath of the earthquake there and um, saw mass graves um, where thousands and tens of thousands of people were buried all together. And Haiti, um, when, when that disaster hit, um, there was no way that they could take care of themselves. And so it was organizations like Convoy of Hope that in the name of Jesus brought food um, to that nation. Um, and I got to see that feeding process happen in that country. Um, love that, that organization. I've got several friends that work in it. But one of my college friends, uh, Pastor Greg uh, Colgrove, is going to be coming to Marquette. And he's going to be bringing a team of people with him. And I'm really excited about it. They're going to join us for Serve Week, and we're going to have a great time. And um, we have, Serve Week has been something that has um, been happening here at Silver Creek for the last uh, probably about four years. And it's something that I really appreciate. We get a chance to serve our community in a really neat way. I've been in meetings before with pastors here locally where a pastor has actually said to a group of pastors that I cannot get one single volunteer. I've heard those words. And I could not really comprehend the, um, probably the, the depth of frustration from that person who spoke those words. That they could not they could not get one volunteer from their church. <clears throat> um, I was doing some research this week, and Lifeway Research is a, an organization that studies uh, various topics from the perspective of the church. And uh, in 2016, they report on a survey that says that one in four Americans only said they volunteer at least once uh, over the course of the, the last year. So the, the reality is that serving is not something that everyone does. And it's certainly not something that everyone does frequently. Um, the study found that women serve more often than men. Thank you, ladies. Um, that, that married people uh, serve uh, more often than single. In fact, um, a, a, married, a married woman uh, between 35 and 45 is the, uh, that, that is the picture of the person who volunteers here in our country. Um, a married mom uh, between 35 and 45 years of age. Um, and churches, interestingly, 33% of the people that were surveyed said that church was the place where they serve. And that was the number one 
uh, answer. Um, it was the one that was most frequently given. So the church is seen as the place where people um, do the, the majority of their serving. Um, now there's a difference between serving and volunteering. Volunteering is you're, you really have a a, a choice. You're free to choose where to be involved in. But if we're going to look at biblical serving, we've got to go a little deeper than that because really serving is a spiritual growth. When we serve, <clears throat> we are following the example of Jesus. Uh, volunteers, we have very low expectations of them, but those that serve, there's more responsibility. And throughout the month, we're going to talk about shaped to serve. And I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. I'm going to read from the New King James Version where the Apostle Paul says this, though I am free from all men. Paul said, I'm free from all men. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. So Paul made a choice. He said, I made myself a servant to all. It wasn't something that was forced upon him. He was not indentured. He was free from all men, yet he made himself a servant to all. And today I think it would be helpful for us to talk about the misconceptions of serving. I want to share four of them with you today. And I want to start with this first one. This one might surprise you or it might be something that you've actually felt yourself. But here it is, the first one, they don't need me. Maybe you have been made to feel this way. Maybe you've attended a church that acted like they didn't need you. Now, I want to I wanna step in here for just a moment because there's a difference between want and need. And there are churches that probably have been guilty of communicating one way or the other that you are not wanted in a particular area of serving, Okay. And, um, and so I want to, I want to say that on, on behalf of those churches, they, they maybe did not understand that not only are you needed, but literally you need to serve as well. So on behalf of those churches, I want to ask for your forgiveness. If a church has ever communicated to you before that, that you are not wanted or needed uh, in the area of serving, I apologize for that because as a pastor, you would have to be crazy. You would have to be crazy to say, no, we don't need you. We don't want you. And so I want to apologize for those people. They must not have understood something. But sometimes we are made to feel like we are not needed or we are not wanted. Sometimes you probably said to yourself, you know what? If they needed me, they would have asked. You know, we used to have this thing called the bulletin. And the bulletin is dead. The bulletin will not be resurrected <laughs> ever again. Um, but the bulletin was the place where we asked everything. That's where we asked. We said, hey, if you'd, like to, if you'd like to volunteer in the nursery, you know, you let us know. That is asking. Um, it's just a very ineffective way of asking. Um, but, but maybe you think, well, they, they should have asked me. 
Um, maybe you look at, at things and, and you say, well, you know, as, I, as I, I, I walk into the church, everything's already taken care of. The coffee is made. Somebody's there to make sure that, you know, that I can get, um, uh, you know, a, a, a treat to eat. You know, they make sure that I can get a cup of coffee. There's someone checking in my kids at... Uh, at children's church, you know, the children's church check-in. What you don't know is that often the person who's at that check-in counter is generally scared to death. Is that, is that correct? I'm, I, they're, they're scared to death because they don't, they don't, there's a computer here, there's a printer here, there's kids that are coming up. I, I have no idea what, what I'm doing here. And, and no matter how hard Caitlin tries to prepare them, you know, it can be a little bit daunting, you know, to, to do that. But you they go, man, people are there. People are doing those things. So obviously, they've got all of this stuff taken care of. They've got it handled. But let me tell you something, and, and I said this in the first service also, but you ought to hear the conversations that we have behind the scenes, right? I mean, honestly, we talk about Nursery. We talk about children's check-in. We talk about children's church. We talk about hospitality. We talk about, our, do, our, do we have anybody that can prepare communion for Sunday? You know, we talk about all of those things. We talk about the people that are up here on the platform. We talk about those things. Do we have the people that we need in those places? Um, if, if we're doing something like Serving America, do we have enough volunteers uh, when we do Serving America, it generally takes about 45 volunteers for Serving America. Do we have enough people that will be here that day so that when those cars fill this parking lot, and they do fill this parking lot, and then they fill Harvey Baptist parking lot, and sometimes they go all the way around that, that, um, that parking lot, and they start sticking back out on Silver Creek again, and that's when the police come, and they, they start directing traffic and things like that. But we need, to, we need to know that we have people that can serve the community when they come. So I want us to understand that we are designed by God to serve. We're not just called to serve when there's, an, when there's a need, okay? It's not just, well, you know, they need somebody in children's church. I, I guess I better step up and you know, take one for the team. It's, it's not just because there's an apparent need. We are designed, we are called to be servants. We are called to serve. It's something that we are created ultimately to do, to follow Jesus' example. And the church needs you, and I don't mean just Silver Creek Church, I mean Every church, I mean Harvey Baptist, I, I mean St. Louis the King, I mean every church that is in our community, they need you to serve. And you need to serve. Not for the same reason that they may need it, but you need to serve. We've been created that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand. Now, here, this is so, I've never thought about this till, I, till this week. 
But, but we sometimes think that the church doesn't need me. Look at this. Paul addresses this. Look at what he said. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. No one in the body of Christ can say to someone else in the body of Christ, I don't need you. The church cannot, it's ridiculous to think that the church could think so much of herself that she could say to someone, I don't need you, I don't want you. The gift that you have, we don't need. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Imagine that conversation. The head says to the feet, you know what? You smell. You don't have a brain. I don't need you. And the, the feet could respond in all humility, yeah, but without me, you aren't going anywhere. I mean, that, that is a picture of the body of Christ, that we, we cannot respond to one another that way because you don't have the abilities that I do. You, we don't need you. Listen, friends, there is something for everybody in the body of Christ, some way for them to use their giftings. Well, almost. I'm reminded of the, the woman that came up to the pastor after the service, and he had just preached on the parable of the talents the one had five talents, one had two, one had one. And she said, Pastor, she said, I, I, I'm like that person that only has one. I only have one talent. And he asked her what it was. And she said, well, it's, it's the gift of criticism. And she said, what should I do with it, Pastor? And he said, well, let's just do with it what they did in the scripture. Let's go out and bury it. <laughs> oh, come on, you can laugh. It's all right. But it's ridiculous for the church to say we don't need it. It's ridiculous for a person to think it. Because if we, if we take a close look, we obviously understand that, that the church needs people to serve. Every church needs people to serve. And the truth is that we need to serve. Misconception number two is this. <clears throat> I don't get anything out of it. Now... Let me tell you that the scripture does say that it is by grace that we are saved through faith, not of works. In other words, you are not saved by your serving. Okay? I want to make that very clear. You are not saved by your serving. We don't receive forgiveness for our sins because we do things, because we serve in different ways. That is not uh, that is not where grace comes from. Grace comes through faith. So why do we serve? Well, we could say because the church needs me or because a particular organization needs me. That's why I serve. Maybe you're a part of the Kiwanis or maybe you're a part of uh, the Lions Club. Maybe you're a part of another organization and that's where you serve and you say, well, they need me. That's why I serve. Or you say, you know what? I'm doing something good for, for my church. I'm doing something good for my organization or I'm doing something good for my community. And, and so I'm serving for that purpose or I'm doing it to be a blessing to another. And those are all wonderful things. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, the writer says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So 
When we do something to serve the needs of another, there is something that happens. It's not transactional. Um, It's not, I do this and therefore I receive forgiveness. But there is something that happens. When we serve and we meet the needs of another, we would imagine that they would be blessed. We would imagine that they would be the ones that feel like they are receiving. When in actuality, Proverbs is saying, the one who refreshes others is himself or herself refreshed. There's a review of of 40 different studies um, that were done, and they found that those who volunteer regularly to help others, here's some things that they found. That it lowers early mortality rates by 22%. So what that really says is that serving others, serving saves lives. That's what it says. Serving saves lives. But you would, you would think in your mind that it's because what I'm doing is saving that person's life when in reality it's that it's saving my life by serving. And, and, and you know how I, under, I know that we don't understand this because the study found that only one out of four people serve. If people understood that serving actually extended and saved their own life, they would, they would absolutely make it a habit of serving on a regular basis. Here's some more things. It reduces the rates of depression. We talked about anxiety and depression uh, over the past month. By serving others, it causes these things to decrease in our lives because it gives us a sense of purpose and a sense of joy. It reduces our stress. It helps connect us to other people. It teaches us humility. It helps us to make a difference for others. It gives us an opportunity to use our unique gifts, and it shows us what following Jesus is all about. It allows us to partner with God, to get our focus off ourselves and help to advance the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When we serve the needs of others, we receive a blessing. So if you think that, you know what, I don't get anything out of this, you absolutely are not seeing the truth of the matter. Uh, on the, like the second Thursday of the month, we, um, we serve uh, what's called Feeding America here, where there's um, food that's brought in. And generally speaking, we have been seeing... Uh, we've been giving away almost 500 boxes of food on that, that second Thursday of the month. And people will communicate to us how grateful they are that, that we are serving food and that they can get that food. And the amazing thing to me is that I, I truly believe that as someone who is there to serve... I believe I'm getting more out of it than the person that's pulling up and getting that box of food. I truly do. Because they, they've got to wait in line for a couple of hours. Some of them are waiting in line for two and a half hours 
to get their food. So they pull through and, and they open their trunk and we put that box of food in there. They didn't get to order it. They didn't get to tell us what they want. We just put that box of food in there and they drive off. And maybe we had a chance to chat for just a second. And maybe they even said, oh, thank you. This is such a blessing. Thank you for doing this. And we say, we love it. We love doing it. It's an honor. We love being able to serve you this way. And they leave and And it was a blessing to them. And we've indicated it's a blessing to us, but we get to do that about 300 more times because of all the cars that will come through the parking lot that day. And we are blessed over and over and over and over and over again. We have this opportunity to serve. Misconception number three is that we're too busy. And I, I want to challenge our thinking on this because we only have a limited number of days on this earth. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, 16, all the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God is aware of how long we have left. And in a, here in America, we, we have this sense that we don't have enough time. Okay, so we try to cram as much as we possibly can into our day. We try to cram as much as we can into our summer. We do that in the UP because there's not a lot of summer here. So we have to do things during that period of time. But as Americans, we really try to cram our lives full. In fact, we, we learn to do two things at once. Have you ever realized that? Do you know what we call it? When we, you learn to do two things at the same time, what do you call it? Thank you. You guys act like you didn't know what I was talking about. You guys, it's okay. Multi, in fact, in fact, we put it on our, on, on our, um, uh, thank you. Now I can't think for myself and I need people to yell out. We put it on our resume. Can multitask, you know. Man, if, if some, the next time somebody does that to me, I'm going to take them literally and start assigning them two things at once all the time, okay? But what we, what we do is we, we train ourselves, okay? We want to be able to do more than one thing at a time. We are, we, as a people, we cram our lives, even our work life, so full of things, okay? And there's a reason why. Because in our culture, if you are busy, you are seen as important. Did you know that the computer was supposed to save you time? Did you know that? They believe that when computers were made available to people, that they would have so much free time because that computer would save time for everything. And I want you to know that this this. Cell phone, and most of you have one very similar to this. This has more computing power than the computers that put the first men on the moon. More, more in this right now. And we're talking about computers that took like rooms, okay? More on this. Is this saving anybody time? This sucks every living second that you have free Every second. 
We, <laughs> we, we don't have any time. And, and we say, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'll just double up, you know? I'll just, I'll just multitask. We feel that when people are busy and when they're so busy that they actually have to skip leisure that they are, man, they are really important. They are really, those are special people because they've learned to do so much in their lives. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Friends, I I hope that we can understand that we don't have to be that busy. But when we get busy, what's the first thing that goes? We, what, man, I got to get my stuff done. When I'm busy, I got to, I got to cut back to just my stuff. We cut everybody else out. And we don't have time to do anything for anyone else because we are so busy in and of ourselves. Our busyness becomes an excuse to actually disobey God. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Each of us has been given the gift of time. Now, your day has the same amount of hours as my day, 24 hours. Your year has the same amount of hours as my year, 8,760. But what we're given is the choice of how to use it. And, And we don't know how many ultimately that God will give us. But the reality is we generally have time for what we want to have time for. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We shouldn't be too busy to be obedient to God. And then number four is that serving isn't all that important. Imagine if that's what people all around us thought. Imagine if that's what people thought this morning before you came in. Because then you wouldn't be able to get a cup of coffee. There are people that, that, that literally have, they, there was a season of time uh, during COVID when we didn't, have, we didn't serve coffee. And I, there were people that would walk in and say, when are we going to have coffee? You know, they, I mean, they wanted to have that cup of coffee and they believed that when you come to church, that cup of coffee should be there. But what about those that were teaching children's church? Does doing something like that, does that actually help? Does, does serving coffee, does it matter? Does, does teaching children's church, does it do something for my relationship with the Lord? Does running the computer back there in the sound booth, does that actually make a difference? And everybody said, amen. Does watching the kids in nursery, does that really count as serving others? You see, friends, we don't serve to pull off an event. We serve as an opportunity to love other people. Serving helps us connect with them. It helps us love them. It's a vehicle for us to show them that we love them. 
It's an opportunity to serve their needs and to love people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, uh, 42, said, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Sometimes it's the simplest word, the simplest gesture that makes the most significant impact. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 5, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So as believers, we're all a part of the body of Christ. We have, we have uh, uh, the same body, but a different function, and that function comes from God. We have different gifts with which to serve one another. And if we fail to use our gift, then no one benefits from it. They don't benefit, and we don't benefit either. And your gift can make all the difference in the world to one person. I want to close with something that Daniel, I'm a researcher from Lifeway Research, said. He said, when you serve, that's actually how you become more like Christ. Because that's what Jesus came to do. I'm going to ask uh, those that are going to serve communion if they would come. And we're going to have the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate together. And Marie and the team are going to lead us. And we're going to sing and worship for just a couple more moments. And as uh, those come in and begin to serve us, just go ahead and, and um, you don't need to be a, a member of Silver Creek Church to participate in the Lord's Supper with us. And we're going to do this together and we're going to worship. And as we do that, um, I'm going to have you stand. If you just join us, stand with us. And we're going to worship for a moment. Let's hold on to our uh, elements until all have been served so that we can participate together. Marie, would you lead us? The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. Do you know what we call a person in our society that does that? Call him a waiter or a waitress or a server. They bring food to us at our table. That night, Jesus was serving his disciples. And here's what he said. He said, this is my body, which is for you. And what he was saying was prophetic about what was going to happen the next day. So Jesus is serving them something that he refers to as his body. And the next day, he was literally going to serve up his own body on the cross. The Bible says that at any moment, had he called on heaven, that there were legions of angels who were ready to come and deliver him from the cross. Jesus, that night, and it, it, I know that it was not lost on him. He served them at the table. And the next day, he would serve them at the cross. So, Father, thank you. 
Thank you for giving your son, Jesus. Your word says that you love the world so much that you gave your only son. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to serve. God, as you serve the bread to your followers, you're referring to your body, which you would serve up on the cross the very next day. Thank you, Jesus, for serving us. And thank you for calling us. In fact, your word says that we should take up our cross and follow you. God, you call us to serve. I thank you today. Jesus, thank you for your body, which is for us. Would you partake of the bread together? After supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant in blood. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to provide a sacrifice for us. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to shed your blood. And as you passed that cup around, as you served them, they partook of the cup together. And you were signifying that that next day, you were willing to serve up for the forgiveness of the sins of the world, your blood, the very thing that sustained your human life. Jesus, thank you for shedding that blood. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and thank you that you call us to take up our cross and to follow your example and to be men and women of the body of Christ who will serve the needs of others. So Father, thank you for this blood that we remember that Jesus shed for us Would you partake of the cup together? Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for how you have served our need, our need of forgiveness. You served us with your body. You served us with your blood that we might be forgiven. Father, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it has been wonderful to be with you here today and to be able to remember what Jesus did for us. And I pray that you will go out and like Jesus, that you will take up your cross and serve the needs of others, that we might see them come to know Jesus Christ. Ultimately, as Paul said, I made myself a servant that I might save some. Amen.